Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting from the Kia Studios. It's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris go forth in tonight for John Chuckery as uh, we put a bow on SEC Media Days 2022. Final three coaches of the week took the podium today. We'll hear uh, coming up in a few minutes from Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn. We'll talk a little bit about Tennessee and Josh Heupel and, of course, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. We'll get into all of that here, and then we will, again, we're going to bring you uh, some of what you may have missed today from around uh, the SEC Media Day. Also going to get a, uh, a peek at what's happening over in the ACC. We'll do that next, West Durham. Uh, the voice not only of uh, your Atlanta Falcons, but also of the ACC. Wes was on with Dukes and Bell earlier today, so we'll bring that back to you here in just a few minutes. And then uh, before the end of the hour, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's quarterback, he was on the midday show today. And then yesterday, I had a chance to talk to Will Lewis, the quarterback at Kentucky. So we're going to do a little SEC East uh, quarterback back-to-back there with Hendon Hooker and Will Lewis. You'll get a chance to hear from both of those guys. we got a lot more coming up, including at 9 o'clock. I'll give you my best quotes from SEC Media Days. We'll get to, uh, we'll get to that. I want to start with this, though. First, good evening, Dylan. Glad to be back with you again tonight, sir. Chris, always a pleasure to be with you, man. We get to rock and roll for one more night, recap the final day of SEC Media Days, and we're going to have a little fun in the process as we always do. So always how good to be with this, you. Now, how much of this have you paid attention to this week? Have you? I, talk, I, t- I saw Day Day last night, and Day Day told me, he said, Man, I'm I'm watching it all day on TV. <laughs> I have not been keeping up with it as strong. I've seen you know stuff here and there on Twitter, but I am I am uh, unfortunately not like Data. I have not been watching it on TV all day long. I've been you know taking care of other things, but I've been keeping up with it pretty well. Yeah, look, this has been. I mean, this is typically uh, the quote unquote deadest week in sports. I mean, there's just you have the home run derby, the All Star game. 
And, and in terms of big sporting events, that's pretty much it. It's by design that the SEC does this. I think it's by design that the ACC chooses to have their media days this way in an effort to be able to to capitalize on what is a, a fairly slow time in sports now. And I, I, you know, look, I think it makes sense to do it now. Starting tomorrow. Everything is going to ramp back up again. We're going to get Major League Baseball back underway. Obviously, NBA free agency still uh, still going on, but we will get the Braves back starting tomorrow night, and then and then on through the weekend for what should be a pretty good series with uh, Shohei Otani and uh, and Mike Trout uh, and the Angels coming to town. So uh, again, we'll talk more about that. Later on, John Chuckery's back with you again tomorrow night. Of course, John has been uh, – he has been with uh, Andy and Randy on the midday show this week. They've been live at Radio Row there on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame. So uh, we're going to – John will be back in this chair again uh, tomorrow night, back in his uh, – his... uh, looking forward to, to having John back in here. Not that I haven't enjoyed – Uh, being here for the biggest part of the last two weeks, Dylan. Not that I don't like hanging out with you, but I'll tell you what, man, this stuff of, uh, you know, working till 11 and then being back in the Hall of Fame at uh, 8 o'clock the next morning is, uh, uh, look, about four days of it is all I'm willing to do at this point. Like I said, we we need to go ahead and give you the mantra of the hardest working man in show business right now because, I mean, you basically been doing two-a-days every day for a week straight. That's that's exactly what this has been. Mm -hmm. You'd think I'd be in better shape doing (laughs) two-a-days than this. All right, listen, let's hear from Brian Harson. He – oh, wait, I forgot. I forgot where I wanted to start tonight. I got got off on everything else that's going on, and I forgot the – I wanted to start by mentioning that Kirby Smart has got a new contract extension. It's going to keep him at Georgia through the 2031 season. Uh, the new deal, which will start this year, is going to pay him $10.25 million a year. There is an annual increase. He will make $12.25 million in the final year of his contract. This makes him the highest-paid coach in college football. Look, I think $10 million a year is, right now, that's pretty much the going rate if you want a national champion football coach. That's what Kirby Smart is now. Jimbo Fisher's at around that same number. Nick Saban is at around that same number. And Kirby is going to be at about 12, you know, will be over 12 million by 2031. And look at that point, $12 million may be the going rate or more for a national championship winning college football coach. These numbers came as no surprise today. I think we knew this was coming. I thought it would be – I was shocked to see that final year being as high as $12.25 million. I can't say shocked, maybe a little surprised at that number by the end. I thought it would end up being an average somewhere between 10 uh, and, and you know, between 10 and 10 and a half. But either way, this is a uh, – it's a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice deal for, um, for Kirby Smart. And, again, it will keep him – in Athens and until the year, at least the year 2031. And he's not a guy, look, he's, this has got to be the dream job for him. He doesn't strike me as being an NFL guy. I think he enjoys the recruiting process too much. He enjoys the college game too much. And he's getting a chance to do this at his alma mater. Why would he want to go anyplace else? 
So I think uh, he is he is there for as long as Georgia's willing to have him. And I think the fact that he is a, a national championship winning coach and a guy that played there, that's going to buy him uh, that's going to buy him a, a a down year or two at uh, at Georgia if that comes. But certainly the way they have uh, they have recruited does not feel like that is. Uh, anywhere on the horizon all right let's let's hear from brian harson he is the uh going into his second year as the head coach at auburn i think auburn has been the least talked about team this week at sec media days not a lot going on uh in terms of buzz about this auburn program certainly not like what there was this offseason back in february when it seemed like they were ready to run him out of town down at Auburn. This was Brian Harson in his opening statement today at SEC Media Days about some folks maybe being surprised that he's there. Second time here and uh, excited to be here. And uh, I know some of you uh, out there looking at me didn't expect me to be here. Yeah, that was, uh, that was Harson. He did address the February incident. Kind of thought he would. You address it in the front end, you put it behind you, and you move forward. That's exactly what he did. This is Harson talking about that February incident. Going back to, uh, to what happened um, back in February, and uh, what I'm going to do now is address it. And uh, moving forward, that'll be the last time I talk about this subject. But there was an inquiry. It was uncomfortable. It was unfounded. Uh, and it uh, presented an opportunity for people to, you know, personally attack me, my family, uh, and also our program, and, and it didn't work. So right now, uh, our focus is on moving forward, and what came out of that inquiry uh, were a lot of positive. There was a silver lining in all of this because what I saw from our players and our coaches was leadership opportunities for them to step up, which is exactly what they did. And you got a chance to see guys uh, provide leadership. You got a chance to see coaches provide leadership. And what it did, it was united our football team. It united our players, united our staff, it united our football team. And so uh, I'm really proud of our guys, and I'm proud of what something like that, um, that could be very challenging and difficult uh, for a lot of people, how our guys stepped up and handled it. That's Brian Harson, the uh, the head football coach at Auburn. In that incident that he is referring to, is uh, is one from back in February where there were accusations of an affair with a staff member there at Auburn, a staff member that he had brought with him uh, from Boise State, and everything just kind of blew up all of a sudden. There was a it seems like there is a group of Auburn boosters. There was a group of them that was against Gus Malzahn. The fact that they could never picture Gus Malzahn as being anything more than a high school football coach in Springdale, Arkansas, which is what he had been about the uh, about a decade or so before that. They could never see him as anything else. I'm not sure what the beef is that the boosters may have with Brian Harson, other than the fact that there were a lot of people that were not involved in that hiring. That was a hire that was made by the athletic director at Auburn, and he was able to get it approved through an interim university president at that time. So it was almost sort of a backdoor deal the way Brian Harson was hired there. Things have changed 
over the time since he's been there. So I, I think they're look there. He is clearly the one coach this year in this conference that is sitting on the hot seat. And I'm not saying that it's hot yet, but it's got the potential to, well, yeah, it is hot. Look, they tried to run him off in February. So there is a good chance that, that Brian Harson is going to feel some heat at some point in time this season, depending on how things go for his Auburn Tigers over the next, uh, over the next couple of months. He did talk about Simone Field stuff. I love his running back in Tank Bigsby. I think he is one of the best players in the SEC. Here's Brian Harson on his running back. Tank is uh, obviously a fantastic player, but I think the most improved overall, just in preparation, leadership, and some of the things that we've seen from a really good young player, uh, and his work ethic is second to none. I mean, he's, he's put in the work. He does it on the off days, he does it on Sundays, he does it every chance he gets. And you've probably seen some of the videos that he's posted out there on things he's doing. Kid rushed for 1,100 yards last year. He is an absolute beast with the, uh, with the ball in his, in his hands. And let me tell you, he was there at, uh, at SEC Media Days uh, today. They list him at 6 feet 213 at Auburn, but he looks much, much bigger than that when you see the guy in person and out of pads. Really an impressive-looking guy. Auburn also returns four of their five offensive linemen back, which I think gives you a little bit of – it's got to make you feel a little better about going into this season if you're Auburn. Let's hear from Brian Harson now talking about the play of his offensive line so far. But I'm really, you know, I'm excited about where the old line's at. I think the guys are stronger and bigger, and uh, they put a lot of work in. And, and that's been a group that, since I got to Auburn, that, uh, you know, has kind of been under the, under, uh, the microscope. And so, you know, we've got to be able to, to handle um, the guys up front and do a great job, especially with two great tailbacks behind them. Um, so I like where the old line's at. Yeah, they get Penn State pretty early in the year. I think it's the third week of the season. So that is going to be a um, – I think that's one of those early season measuring sticks for them. Penn State comes to Auburn on the 17th of September. So we're going to find out some stuff about Auburn, I think, pretty early on. I did hear Takeo Spikes today uh, talk about Auburn. Of course, uh, Takeo was a tremendous linebacker in his days at Auburn before he went on and had a nice career in the National Football League. But he was asked about all the guys that left because they have had a ton of guys that have left Auburn this offseason. And Spikes, you know, he said he thought guys left because they couldn't handle it. said he thought guys left because he feels like Coach Harson is a – he's up front, he's honest – you know where you stand with him. You know what the expectations are, and that's what he demands. Guys didn't like that. They decided to leave. We'll talk more about the other coaches that were there today, including Tennessee's Josh Heupel and also Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher. We'll get to all of that as we uh, go through the evening. West Durham, your voice of the Atlanta Falcons and one of the voices of the ACC he, will, he was on with Dukes and Bell earlier today. We'll bring that conversation back to you next. As we recap the final day of SEC Media Days, Chris Goforth in tonight in place of John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back to more John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make some noise! Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth in tonight for John Chuckery. John will be back with you tomorrow night. SEC Media Days wrapped up today. We're recapping it here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This isn't the only media event going on this week in college football. Oh, no, the ACC uh, is having their event as well. That's where you'll find Wes Durham, voice of the ACC. Also, the voice of your Atlanta Falcons and Wes was on with uh, Dukes and Bell earlier today on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Let's talk to Wes Durham on the WadeFord.com hotline, and let's get into some ACC Media Days. And, Wes, appreciate the time. I know you're making your way back from the couple of days of ACC Media Days. Tell us what you learned, because I know they were having the same conversations as the SEC about NIL and conference realignment. Yeah, I think some of that, obviously, Carl, was dictated yesterday when, uh, when Jim Phillips spoke. But once we cleared kind of the commissioner's comments, everything locked in on, on what the league could be like this year. I think the league is going to be very talented, particularly a quarterback. I think it's got a chance to, if it plays out the way it could, it could be the best quarterback league in the country again uh, in terms of not only prospects, you know, for the future, but prospects for the next level. Um, so I think that's one thing. The other part about it is I think when the preseason poll comes out here next week or so, I think you're going to see five ACC teams in the top 25. And I think the real battle is going to be the one that is staged with Clemson and NC State. Uh, NC State quietly has won nine or more in four of the last five years. And Dave Dorn's done a really nice job. And everybody knows Clemson's been a brand now with, you know, 10 or more wins for 11 straight years. And then I think Pitt and Miami is the real discussion in the Coastal. Uh, Pittsburgh obviously won it a year ago and won the championship with Kenny Pickett. But now... Here's Mario Cristobal and a, a real investment by the University of Miami across the board to bring football back. And a lot of expectation is there. But, you know, it's a first year for Cristobal. It's a first year for systems. they got an incredibly talented kid at quarterback. But, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how the ACC's landscape sets up early. The, the NIL stuff and the college realignment, you know, the Atlantic Coast Conference is kind of in an interesting spot where, a lot of people outside the league want to, you know, play the fantasy game of risk and, you know, pull teams and throw them in other leagues. And, uh, you know, as everybody knows, there's a media grant of rights to 2036. It's pretty solid. It doesn't mean anything can't happen because we all know we're living in a world where something can always happen. And that's the thing, Wes. We said about earlier that that big TV contract you referred to, it's not one of the most profitable ones compared to the other Power Five 
conferences, but it's almost impossible to get out right now. So when does the schools that really need to you know, get their act together get their act together? You mentioned Miami. I know Florida State. I, I, someone asked me the other day, I couldn't tell you what Norvell is going to do this year. The Hokies. The, remember, the divisions were set up to have these to have these rivalries and have these big championship games, but it really hasn't happened in the last few years since Clemson's stolen the show. Well, and the real reality is this is the last year of divisional play in the ACC. Um, they go back to a conglomerate next year, which is something they did during the pandemic. And, you know, the ACC had a really good year, in all honesty, with Notre Dame playing the full schedule. And then all of a sudden, you know, Notre Dame and, and Clemson end up in a championship game, and they both end up in the CFP. So you can see where the no division walls will work. And I think, quite frankly, I know that conversations have gone on in the Southeastern Conference. When Oklahoma and Texas come in, they're going to go to some pod system of four teams in a pod across for 16 or four pods of four. And I think that's a smart move, too, because, remember, we don't know the landscape of the 12-team playoff yet. We don't know how that's going to be structured. We don't know if it's, you know, going to be, uh, you know, orchestrated through bowl games, if it's going to be home games. Uh, I talked to some people yesterday who tell me there is a tremendous amount of pushback from some of these campuses to host a playoff game because – of the time of year in the calendar and graduation ceremonies and inventory in some of these communities from a hotel perspective and things like that. So I think the 12-team playoff uh, map and structure is going to be fascinating to watch as we get to 2027. But to your point about the TV deal, and look, there's a lot of information out there about it that's just flat wrong. Uh, Mike and Carl, the, the deal goes to 2036, but it's the exit that's the problem. Because, and, and now follow me on this, okay, because this is where, you know, we go from broadcaster to uh, back pocket lawyer, right? Um, the, when a school elects to leave, hypothetically, let's take Mike in Florida State, okay? Or we could take Mike in Virginia Tech, Carl, or any of the other alma maters, right? Um, right? Which one you want me to pick, Mike? You want Virginia Tech or Florida State? Let's go with the Knowles. I always thought they belong in the SEC. So it costs $120 million. So where do they get the bridge loan from? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. $120 is just a walk around. Listen to what the back end of this is. And this is the part nobody's talking about. Florida State would surrender their media rights. If they went tomorrow, they'd surrender the rights of that money for the next 14 years. Okay? What? When they When they do that, they would then go to another league. So let's say they went to the Southeastern Conference. Let's say Florida State and another team went to the Southeastern Conference. In order for Florida State to make any money from media, the SEC would have to cut their pie two more slices and pay 18 slices as opposed to 16. So let me give you the analogy there. So let's say I'm at Alabama. I'm now comfortable with my new contract, my new relationship with ESPN. I'm making, I don't know, ballpark something at $90 million a year, right? Well, now all of a sudden Florida State comes in and another school comes in and they don't have media rights because of the agreement they left, okay? And I have to pay them their media dollars to offset the losses they surrendered in the agreement. So now all of a sudden Alabama's got to give back, oh, hypothetically $12 million, $15 million of that 90 How far do you think that's going to go? So basically, this, the ACC is stuck with itself. So are they going to reach out to the Pac-12 or Big 12 to to battle the Pac, the Big 10, which has become a Big 16, 18, and the SEC West? What is the strategy for the ACC since no one can leave? Well, okay, hang on here. we got to get through some things. And see, this is the part 
that I keep telling folks, it's easy to sit there on a whiteboard and cue up my man Feinbaum to tell me who's going to lead the ACC to go to other leagues. But here's the reality of it, okay? What you have to do is you've got to let some things play out. First thing that has to play out probably is the Big Ten has to declare a second television partner beside Fox, okay? So let's say because CBS is going to be without any real college holdings once the SEC change occurs, that CBS becomes the second television partner in the Big Ten. And then the Big Ten probably picks a streaming partner. Well, that still leaves Notre Dame, who's everybody's favorite team to talk about right now in this deal. That leaves Notre Dame to reportedly ask for $75 million a year from NBC. Now, if NBC becomes the second television partner in the Big Ten, then all of a sudden you got a little bit of white smoke in this deal, right? Because that makes sense for NBC, given the relationship with Notre Dame. So that's number one. Number two is this. Again, I'll go back to this. We don't know how the college football playoff structure is going to play in 27. And more importantly, we don't know the television partners. Remember, the college football playoff is expected to bring more than a billion dollars a year in its next contract. One TV partner can't take all that. That's going to have to be two. One would suspect ESPN would be involved since they're the exclusive. I would guess that Fox would be the other. Then when all that gets settled and we see how many teams are possible to go to the college football playoff, then I think you're going to get the next round. So I think six years is probably the ballpark number before we see another landscape shift. Just remember this. The timing for USC and UCLA was perfect. Their media rights deal is over. They're going to be able to walk year after next for no penalty at all. Who amongst us knew that UCLA was broke? Who knew? They were $100 million in debt. The fastest way out, you get it, you get a lifeline. Just like Maryland got a lifeline when they left the ACC to go to the Big Ten. Maryland was broke. UCLA is broke. It's going to get trickier, guys, because between now and then, we're also going to get into what this really is at the collegiate level, the restructure of the NCAA, the restructure of major college athletics. But, see, all that's not fun. It's fun to take schools and throw them up on the board and put them under other leagues and declare other leagues dead. But the reality of it is we're now getting to the legal and the real tricky financial portion of this program. Wes, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Again, give me the four best teams, in your opinion, right now in the ACC. Uh, NC State, Clemson, and you can put them in either order. Uh, Pittsburgh, Miami, and then I'd make Wake Forest the fifth one, Carl. That was Wes Durham, voice of the Falcons and also the voice of the ACC, on with Dukes and Bell uh, from earlier today. Wow. I mean, we knew it was a complicated mess for the ACC, for any team in the ACC try to to get away. I've been saying that the whole time. This grant of rights, and I know that some of those schools, Florida State, Miami, and some others, had all kind of started trying to look in to see what they could do, right? Can we get out of this? And word had gotten around that it was, quote, unquote, airtight. You can't get out of that deal that the ACC has, that grant of rights deal. You heard Wes talk about it. It's not just the $125 million you would have to pay. It's what not only you would be sacrificing, but you would be asking for the schools in your new conference now. Wes used the example of Alabama there. 
they would have to make some sacrifices too and give some money back. Well, that's not going to happen. So the ACC, at least for the time being, they are completely stuck in this situation. But again, I've thought that the entire time uh, because I was told very early on with this grant of rights, it just wasn't going to be feasible for the ACC to be able to make any sort of move. Now, the flip side to that is you heard Wes mention the, the 2020 season, the COVID year. Notre Dame was a part of the ACC. There's been a lot of talk. I've talked about it. How Notre Dame, to me, makes really good sense going to the AC, uh, going to the Big Ten geographically, culturally, academically. It's a very good fit. Notre Dame, and, and West didn't mention this, Notre Dame has had that deal that they signed with the ACC when, when they agreed to play five ACC teams every year in football. What happened was Notre Dame wanted to be in a conference in their other sports. So they're a member of the ACC in everything but, you know, football and maybe something else. But football, they've remained independent. But as a part of that, when they wanted to join the ACC in other sports, the ACC said, sure, we'll do that. We'll take your other teams in, but you've got to help us out by playing on a rotating basis, five ACC teams every year. Well, what they wanted initially was they wanted Notre Dame to join the conference, and Notre Dame said, no, we're not doing that, but we need to find a home for these, you know, for our basketball programs and our Olympic sports, and that was what the ACC came back with, and that's kind of where the two settled. Now, the other part of that is that there was an agreement that said, that if Notre Dame was going to join a conference, it would have to be the ACC. So, look, there is, as Wes said, this is where the this this is where all of the the legal mumbo jumbo and all of the attorneys and everybody else starts to get into this. It's easy for us to want to play fantasy college football and say, hey. Let's put Florida State, Clemson, and Miami all in the SEC. Oh, it sounds good, but you just can't pull it off that way. And it's not going to happen that way. Good stuff with uh, West Durham from his appearance with uh, Dukes and Bell earlier today. Let's talk a little bit about some of these SEC quarterbacks. You heard West talk about the ACC quarterbacks. There's some good ones there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But also, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis. Hendon Hooker, the quarterback at Tennessee, he was on the midday show today. I got a chance yesterday to visit with Will Levis, the quarterback at Kentucky. We'll bring you both of those conversations when we come back. Chris Goforth in, in place of John Chuckery here, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. The Odyssey app will continue recapping media days after this. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth in for John Chuckery tonight, putting this wrap-up together for the uh, final day of the SEC Media Days. It's been happening this week, the College Football Hall of Fame. More on that as uh, as we roll along. 
uh, including Ronnie Brown, former Auburn Tiger. We heard from Josh Heupel earlier. Uh, Ronnie Brown was on with the Midday Show today. We'll get to that coming up. Also, John Talty, who uh, covers Alabama for AL.com. He's written a book with Paul Feinbaum. He was on with the Midday Show. Uh, check that. He was on with Dukes and Bell earlier. We'll bring that back to you coming up in about 20 minutes, about 40 minutes from now. We'll get to we'll get to Ronnie Brown. Some good quarterback play. Uh, Wes mentioned some of the ACC quarterbacks. Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. You got Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. Devin Leary at NC State. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami may have the strongest arm of any of those guys. Malik Cunningham at Louisville, and then. You've also got DJ Uyunglele from Clemson, who is back again for another year, shed some weight, ready to go. So uh, some good quarterback play in the SEC this year as well. Let's start with Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. 31 touchdowns, three interceptions last year. He's back trying to improve upon those numbers. He was on the Midday Show today with Andy, Randy, and John Chuckery. Quarterback of the Tennessee Volunteers comes and sits down Hendon Hooker. You, yes, you make changes. Thanks so much for coming yes, by. How are Appreciate you? Appreciate you having me. Doing hey, good. Doing it, good. It, it was one of those situations where you, you, don't, you don't start the season as a starting quarterback, mm-hmm. but yet you get the, the opportunity and you just run with it. How has that transition into the offseason, knowing that I'm the starting quarterback at Tennessee right now? Yeah, um, you know, nothing has really changed. I've always kept the main thing the main thing, and that's just hard work and uh, being a good teammate at the end of the day. Um, you know, Joe was in there, and, and Joe was an amazing player. Throw the ball 100 yards, for real. So, uh, you know, him just him just being there along my side um, the whole way has been has been a special thing. And then everybody else in the, in the quarterback room has been very supportive. And, um, you know, nothing but love for my teammates because they love me. Um, you know, um, they instill confidence and faith in me. So all I want to do is go out there and do my job. How much did you enjoy playing for an offensive-minded coach now? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Josh Heupel is a guy that, you know, a, a winning guy too mm-hmm. uh, at the yeah. same time. How much fun was it to have a for guy sure. like that helping you? Uh, it's been it's been amazing. Um, I remember the like the second week Coach Hype was there, and uh, we had a dodgeball tournament, and Coach Hype was out there whooping butt. <laughs> really? He's talking, he talking junk and everything. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. Now I'm not going for none of that, Coach. But we can we can compete though. So uh, you know, just him being a competitive guy, and um, such a such a great mind. Um, you know, great guy on and off the field. He wants us to to persevere in our uh, football game and off the field as well. We're in a new era of, of college football. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, NIL stuff, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but transferring as well, and you yeah. transferred into Tennessee from Virginia Tech. What's the what's the hardest part of that, to, to go from one place to a new place uh-huh. and ingratiate with your teammates and all yeah. that? The hardest part was moving my stuff from Blacksburg <laughs> to, to Knoxville. I just got I just got my bed from, from Blacksburg to Knoxville like two weeks ago. So, Slow moving company? Wait, what? Nah, like, it, it's just... I had so much going on. Right. I never had a chance to really somebody get walk my, it there. I, for it? Say, that's I had to. I had to. Uh, I had to make a couple phone calls to my boys back home. Uh, like, come on, man, go get my stuff for me. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, the hard. The hardest part really was, um, you know, kind of finding my voice uh, when I first got there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a. I'm a leader just by, you know, just born born leader. Um, so, I wanted to go there and and show them that I was a leader, but first I had to follow. So first I'm, I'm trying to, you know, understand how everybody moves out here, um, different walks of life, uh, just putting hands putting hands on the people over here, you know, over there, and just trying to build chemistry and let them know um, through time, you know, I'm a ball player. Right. And I had to show them that. Like first the first day of practice, 
we get out there and I get on the scramble and I break off a linebacker, boom. And then after that, everybody's like, "Oh, okay, I didn't know you. I didn't know you had that in you." <laughs> so, um, you know, just trying to trying to show them I was a ball player first, and then starting to lead and become more vocal. Even you got eight starters coming back on a record-breaking offense, number seven in the country. Mm-hmm. Can you do better than that? Thirty-nine points yes. a game, everything like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. you, you you're the guy at front, but you got a big-time wide receiver and running back. Got to replace a couple old linemen, but for the most part, eight guys back. Mm-hmm. Can this offense get better than it did last year? Yes, definitely can. Um, last year, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot a lot of times. Um, some missed assignments, you know, on my part as well. So, um, you know, just just cleaning up minor details, and um, you know, like I said before, not shooting ourselves in the foot, not jumping off sides, not having holding calls, um, getting the simple things like getting the play from the sideline, get the signals, um, you know. So, just trying to clean up everything uh, so we can go out there and perform how we need to. Got a dynamic wide receiver in Cedric Tillman. How good is he, and how much fun is that connection between you two? Yeah, he's amazing. His catch radius is, is crazy. He has extremely long arms. I remember playing basketball with him one day. I'm trying to get a rebound. I think I have long arms. Right. And he's going to give me that hand. Oh, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Now I, see, now I see why the DBs can't get to him. Yeah, so. How much pressure do you put on yourself going into this year? Like you're on a lot of lists. You're, yeah. on, you're on a lot of people's radar that maybe yeah. you weren't before mm-hmm. last season, and now yeah. there's a lot expectations how is that for you yeah i mean that's nothing i mean it is what it is um list doesn't define me doesn't define how i play um i'm out there trying to win ball games and um, you know at the end of the day the naysayers or whatever the supporters you know thank you you know i'm, I'm very appreciative of you um but i gotta go deliver you know they look they're looking to me um to go out there and do my job as well as i'm looking to my left tackle i need you to do your job so um you know, that's that's what I'm I'm trying to do day in and day out and just motivate my teammates, you know, to, to love the grind, embrace the process, right. uh, and encourage each other throughout it. Tell me this, when you transferred to, to Tennessee, was the was coach here? And if he was and was that a big reason why you decided to transfer because you knew your skill set could fit his offense? Coach Hype actually got there a week after I got there. Okay. So um Oh, okay. So yeah, he so wasn't even there when yeah. you decided to go to Tennessee. No, yeah. Okay. So I'm in I'm in the office um every day, you know, I'm in the office every day. I'm with the I'm with the quarterback QC. I'm watching film, trying to learn the protections. I'm calling out signals in the in the quarterback room. And then a week later, Coach Hype's there. So I'm like, okay, cool. So now I'm in there with his his quarterback, um, you know, quality control guy, uh, Mitch Matello, who I spend a lot of time with, um, as, as well as our um, our quarterback coach, Coach uh, Joey Hosley, who's a great quarterback um, coach as well. And one thing that, that they want us to do is have fun. So um, I never really, really had a coach tell me like, "Hey, go have fun. Put a <laughs> smile on your face, man. Like, why aren't you smiling?" Right. So, doesn't, um, doesn't seem like a problem for you. Yeah, seems, no, seems no, like no, something no, you're no. probably pretty good at. Yeah, Hendon Hooker, yes, uh, nice enough to spend a little time with us. Thank yes, you so Thank much. You. That was Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. He was on the midday show with Andy, Randy, and John Chuckery. Yesterday, I got a chance to catch up with Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, another guy whose name is on a lot of lists. A lot of people have him as being possibly a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He was seventh in the SEC in passing last year, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Got to cut down on those this year. You'll hear him talk about that. Now, this is our conversation from yesterday with Will Levis. Look, your name's popping up on all these draft boards, uh, being a, one of the top quarterbacks off the board next year in the NFL draft. Do you think about that at all right now? Not really. I mean, I, I can't not see those things, but I try not to think about it as much as possible. I know that 
what matters right now is the task at hand and, and our goals that we have for our team. And I know that if we take care of business as a team, all the individual stuff will just fall into place afterwards. What do you feel like you need to work on? Where do you need to improve? I think that one thing I've been working a lot on this offseason is just being more consistent and quiet with my footwork. I think that a lot of the throws that I missed last year had to deal with just inconsistency and being a little off base with my lower half. And so just being more in tune with, with my footwork and just um, using my lower body to my advantage when I throw um, can help me a lot with making some of those misses I last year completions this year. Can you talk a little bit about playing for Coach Stoops and just kind of that level that he's been able to elevate Kentucky football to? He's an amazing coach. He's a, he's a player's coach. He's someone who commands respect but uh, and just a fun dude as well. And he, he loves all of us. We love all of him. The way he carries himself, he just has this presence that um, no one has any doubts that uh, he'll put us in the right position to succeed. Let's talk a little bit about your offense now. How good is Chris Rodriguez? Chris is really, really good. He's He's, we're really excited to have him back. I mean, he's got a shot at breaking some records this year. I mean, he, if he can play the way he has in that last couple of years, I think he could play even better. He's been working his tail off this offseason. He's in good shape. He's looking good. Um, and uh, we're excited to have him as part of the team again this year. How does having a weapon like that behind you, how does that open up things for what you want to do with this offense? Well, it, for one, I mean, a lot of our big plays last year came off play action, and that's not – it doesn't just happen, you know. You have to have a good run game for that to be for that to be um, a good part of your offense, and we're looking forward to that being a big part of our offense as well. So when you got the run game rolling, and then you hit him with some play action, those deep shots open up. So when you got a good running back and a great offensive line like we have, it just makes me as a quarterback uh, it takes a little pressure off of me. You got one of your offensive linemen with you today. Uh, a little bit about that, the big blue wall as they're called up front. You've got some experience ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Uh, we lost a few guys, but we do have a few guys returning who have experience with this offensive line in this offense or in, on this team, as well as a transfer in Tayshawn Manning, who's been, who came in and was an absolute beast in, in the spring. And we're looking forward to him being part of the offensive line as well. But we got some, uh, we got some good re relievers, I like to say. We got some guys coming out of the bullpen as well. Um, and we have really good depth at the O-line and really at all of our positions right now. Scout that wide receiver group a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we lost some guys there as well. And, and the, during the offseason, that was the one thing that we were kind of thinking about, like how we were going to replace those dudes and reload. Uh, luckily, we did an awesome job of recruiting some from absolute studs that are true freshmen that are definitely going to contribute contribute for us. And then we also got a transfer in Tavion Robinson, who's going to be playing that slot position for us, who had an awesome spring. And uh, we know who can do really, really good things for us. Let's talk a little bit about this quarterback group in the conference. Uh, the Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett's here today. Uh, Spencer Rattler is now a part of this group. Do you guys all know each other from, from going to camps over the years? Yeah, it's a really exciting group, really talented group. We actually, I didn't know many of them before this year, but most of us were actually at the Manning Passing Academy, and we all met there, and we all became friends instantly and uh we all pull for each other obviously when we play each other we want to beat the beat the crap out of each other but uh i have respect for all those dudes and it's really cool to have other talented quarterbacks in, in the in the conference can you talk about name image and likeness and what it's meant for will levis it's been really cool to be kind of part of that first wave of players that have been having those opportunities um i took it kind of slow in the beginning but then after the season kind of dove in and, and made a plan for myself and um, the most important thing for me is just to make sure I keep ball first like it's it's really cool and, and the opportunity to make a little bit of money as well as learn about kind of the business side of things and how these deals uh, work as someone who, who loves business and is passionate about it and is what I studied it's, that's interesting for me um, 
But uh, also I want to make sure that with the opportunities that I'm given, I know that a lot of guys on the team aren't going to be given those same opportunities, and I want to reel in and get guys some of the same opportunities that I have um, to kind of also alleviate tensions that you might hear about in other locker rooms that we actually gladly have an experience. What are you hearing? What do your teammates say about it? Is it something you guys talk about a lot in the locker room or, or hanging out together? Not really, no. That's what I think has been so special about it. And I've heard a lot of horror stories about other locker rooms been divided and kind of guys worried about um, other people and what's going on with them. But I think for the most part we've been able to just focus on what we can control at an, indi- at an individual level. And um, we understand kind of how the landscape of things work and we haven't let it affect how we prepare a little bit about your schedule. What's ahead for you guys? We got we're working our, working out and just meetings and kind of OTAs the next couple of weeks, and then we start camp. We report in the second, and then we start camp first practice on the third. So I'm excited to play ball. I mean, I love running and lifting weights, but I mean, we're here to play football and uh, to get on the field and strap on the pads. It's the best time of the year. Will appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Thank man. You. That's Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback. Got a chance to catch up with him yesterday. Lots more to get to. Chris, go forth in for John Chuckery tonight. We continue our recap of SEC Media Days. Today was the final day at the College Football Hall of Fame. Football season is upon us. John Talty, who covers Alabama for AL.com, he was on with Dukes and Bell earlier today. We'll bring that interview to you next to kick off the 8 o'clock hour. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.